We have to start the podcast. Okay. <laughs> and there's our intro. Okay. <laughs> Play the music, Godfrey. Do we have music? Did you not oh, hear? Oh, yeah, I heard yeah. the music. Okay, I got it. How did, you, yeah. did you like it? It was okay. Yeah, well, nothing special. What do you mean, like, solid, just a little music? We have to start the podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is all intro stuff. I'm just I'm giving right. myself options. Yeah, no. Uh, okay, play the music, Godfrey. Hey, listeners. I'm Andrew. And I'm Gideon. And this is the TV Pilot Podcast. Good job. Thank you. Uh, Don't patronize. So, for listeners from last episode, hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. Um, We covered... Hi, hi Mom and Greg. (laughs) We covered I Love Lucy, the, to our minds, the first big sitcom ever made. And on this one, we are covering the, as far as we can find, the most recent sitcom, uh, at least in America, uh, currently airing. As of right now, there's three episodes out. Yeah, the third one just came out Thursday, I think. Wow. And it's called Animal Control on Fox. It's not called Animal Control on Fox. It is called Animal Control. <laughs> you know, that is confusing. Fox Animal and Control. Is, and it is on Fox. I wonder if that was on purpose. Probably They not. went to Fox and said, hey, you need to pick this up. And they were like, we don't want to. Go to someone else. And they said, we can't. It needs to be It needs Fox. to be Fox. Probably not. Probably not. But it's fun to think about that. It makes... it. It makes uh, the people at Fox seem like real people instead of just sort of uh, corporate overlords. Yeah, like those Futurama jokes. Those idiots at the Box Network, and then it cuts to Box, but the neon is like blinking, so it says Fox, like it, Fox Box, like the. If that makes sense. Oh, uh, yeah. Because Futurama always Futurama stuff got like that. cut by Fox. Is, can we talk then... about Futurama instead of this Ooh. bullshit? <laughs> Let's let's start. Andrew <laughs> needs to stop texting me about shows I haven't seen yet, and you save it for the podcast. <laughs> uh, I I may have made my opinions about this show apparent early and often. Okay, well before we get into that, part of why I wanted to watch this was because as Joel McHale and I I like Joel McHale. Joel McHale's good. Met him in Community. Yeah, uh, and from various interviews I've seen of him and just seeing him on things, he seems like a like a good guy. Anyways, <clears throat> Joel McHale, yes, he started in the very late 90s, early aughts. Uh, he was on just bit parts in Diagnosis Murder, CSI Miami, Will and & Grace. And then he hit the big time when he was in Spider-Man 2 for like five minutes as the banker that uh, they go to, Doc Ock attacks, and then Peter like disappears and leaves Aunt May and Joel McHale behind a desk hiding. And he says he says something like, Real brave nephew you got there, or something like that. Because he doesn't know he's Spider-Man. He just thought he ran oh, away. Oh, it's one of those. Uh, yes. He hosted The Soup, which was a satirical and sarcastic commentary on video clips. Oh, kind God. of similar to Tosh.0, which yeah, he actually and... guest starred in, I think, an episode of Tosh.0. Like those little... Those little like internet clip aggregator shows where it's like America's Funniest Home Videos. The but... Soup, I think, was like 06 to 09 or something like that. Okay. I feel like Tosh.0 started around 09, maybe a little after, a little before. Okay. I could be wrong. Yeah. Uh, and then they did like, I, I don't know, it all spun off from like Attack of the Show and shit like that. Yeah. Where it's just they're, they're talking about nerdy internet shit. <laughs> Funny videos. Kind of like what we're doing, except 
we're commenting on them. <laughs> uh, an, an extra level of meta uselessness. Yeah, there we go. Ooh, did Dan Harmon write this? <laughs> Nobody wrote Community, no. which is where Joel McHale started becoming a household name, quote-unquote household name. Uh, but that's probably his biggest role. Got cast as the lead in The Great Indoors, which ran in 2016 to 2017 for one season. But it did not do well because it only got one season. Got a feeling. He hosted the Joel McHale show with Joel McHale on Netflix for a year. So what we're saying is Joel McHale by himself, not a big enough star he... to carry a show for more than one season. And we'll maybe, see. We'll see what happens. And with Animal they should fucking figure that out. <laughs> uh, who else is in Animal Control? Uh, well, let me tell you. A lot of them are comedy sitcom actors that have like joel McHale did before community just bit parts one-off episodes the only one who's really uh any different is emily who is the uh, manager of the department yeah i noticed that when i watched that i didn't recognize anyone else in the show yeah they're all relatively new uh Ooh. vela vela lavelle who is who plays emily mm -hmm. uh she's the manager of the animal control department they're um, precinct specifically. They're, yeah, they're precinct. She is a comedy actress. She was in two seasons of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend with Emily Bloom. Uh, she has probably the one of, if not the most, sort of acting credits of the rest of the cast. Everyone else, there's uh, Michael Rowland, who plays Shred. Uh, he's got like four acting credits on IMDb. Oh, Almost nothing So this else. is kind he's of a, his he's big a break. brand new. Yeah, this Even is his big break. This is not... This Even is though no who knows where this show's going to go, but... I know where this show's going to go. Okay. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Uh, Ravi Patel has been in he looks, so many He sitcoms. looks familiar. He's been in every sitcom. He's been in two episodes of Scrubs. He's been in Bones. Always <gasps> Sunny. Scrubs, Bones? Yeah, Transformers. He was most recently in Grandfathered with John Stamos and Josh Peck. Did you watch that? No, I did Neither did I. <laughs> uh, neither did anyone. He's in Scrubs? He was in Scrubs for two episodes. Two episodes. He, a lot of his acting credits are Doctor. He gets typecast a lot. He gets typecast specifically as characters just named like Dr. Patel. Yeah, I was going to say his the actor's last name is Patel and the character's last name is Patel. Yeah. Which, I mean, isn't super uncommon. Scrolling through IMDb, it happens with this guy a lot, <laughs> which feels weird and targeted. It's it's odd. Not a doctor in this show. Not a doctor in this show. Good for him, I guess. Uh, he's an animal control officer. Yes. And he is plays the, the father, the yeah, neurotic that's, father. That's his thing. We'll that's get into thing. that. We'll get into that in a little bit. <laughs> uh, Grace Palmer plays Victoria Sands. Uh, she's the party girl. She was previously a soap opera star in Auckland. Oh, uh, so this is her first sort of breakthrough into the U.S. in the U.S. market into uh, sitcom television. Yeah, I watched the first episode and I was like, she sounds Australian, but also she doesn't. And then I, I looked up a little thing. I think she's New Zealand. And then it was yeah. like New Zealand. I was like, oh, I was see. I was like, yeah. that explains it. New Zealander sounds yeah. Australian, but also doesn't. <laughs> um, and then Jerry Duncan, who plays Templeton Dudge. He's oh. uh, he's the Dwight. I'm not going to elaborate on his character any more than that. They just start shitting on him. He just... I, he kind of deserves it from what... It, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, So he's a former sitcom lead from Canada. Uh, he was oh. in his own sitcom. He's a comedian. So yeah, the, those are the other characters. Not a lot of big names. Not a lot of... Not a lot of, like, experience doing... 
even even being part of an ensemble cast mm-hmm. in a sitcom, it's a lot of people who have a lot of one-off credits. Um, Vela Lavelle is probably one of the most experienced actors besides Joel McHale for doing an American sitcom. And it really shows in terms of like mm-hmm. their performance and how, how believable the characters are. Uh, the creators of Animal Control are Bob Fisher, Rob Greenberg, and Dan Sterling. All three of them fairly experienced. These aren't just new people in the sitcom television industry. Bob Fisher started writing uh, with The Bonnie Hunt Show back in the 80s. Then he wrote on Married with Children. He wrote. He was a co-writer for Wedding Crashers. And he wrote We're the Millers. His One of his most recent works he worked on a show called the moody's based on an australian show about a family last name moody uh and he worked on that with rob greenberg one of the other creators rob greenberg wrote on a handful of shows including fraser he directed episodes of scrubs how i met your mother and a movie in 2018 called overboard never Mm. heard of it but he's got plenty of directing uh i think he directed the first three episodes if not first and second i think Mm. and then the third creator dan sterling who is probably the most seasoned writer of them he wrote on south park king of the hill and the office so that's probably why that dwight-esque character is in there because he has experience with that uh he produced i mean the dwight-esque characters in there because why not uh yeah why not comedy comedy it it brings out jokes and yeah the the office did well and they're not taking risks with this so Yes. It's always good to have a heel yeah. in a show. Maybe not necessarily an antagonist, but someone there. Yeah, I mean, to, there aren't antagonists in real life. There aren't, like, nemeses. That, totally fair. Because uh, it's a, like The Office, it's a workplace-based yeah. show. So it, it just makes sense to have someone who is not immediately friendly to the main character, who is Joel McHale in this, in this instance. Frank. Did we say his name? His name's Frank. Joel McHale is Frank. Joe McHale is Frank. <laughs> uh, yes. So those are the creators. Uh, you know, you put those three, see their resumes, and feel like you could maybe do a good show with those three. Yeah. I'm, I imagine that's what somebody thought at some point. So as you said in the last episode, not quite the pilot that we... Or just like the last episode with I Love Lucy... It wasn't necessarily a pilot in the traditional sense. Yeah, we're really fucking up the concept <laughs> of this podcast by both the first shows are not traditional pilots because they it was just made with the rest of the season. So that the TV industry is somewhat going away from the pilot system. Somewhat. Yeah. The show was ordered straight to series. Uh, that started happening with major shows in the mid teens netflix house of cards and orange is the new black were both straight to series and i i was just gonna say probably streaming had a lot to do with that because mm-hmm. the you know streaming platforms they release entire series at, a, at one time they they have the option to they, they have the option always, to. but yes yeah yeah and, and it's or at least half common. the series yeah so it all the episodes are coming out at once and they wanted to have because they know people are going to watch them they're you know bingeable tv they want them to watch uh, as much as they can. They want to keep them watching they, Netflix yeah. or Hulu. But also, I mean, A&E and WGN both did straight-to-series around the same time mm. uh, with Bates Motel and Salem, respectively. 
not long after that, the Prime Networks started trying it. NBC, Fox, CBS, ABC, and the CW had 15 total from 2014 to 2015. Mm. Seven of those were Fox alone, including Gotham and Hieroglyph, which was an Egyptian epic, which never actually made it to being released, but they recorded six-plus episodes. Ouch. Uh, A big reason networks are doing straight-to-series rather than pilots is it allows the showrunners and writers to work on the project as a whole rather than putting a lot of focus on this one pilot trying to get picked up. And so if it pays off, it really pays off in the fact that you have these episodes that kind of make more sense together. But the trade-off with doing those is instead of making a lot of little bets on different shows, you're putting big bets on less shows. And so when they don't pay off, it's a bigger oh. loss. Oh, yeah. Like you the lose, hieroglyphs, sometimes you lose big. Was it... Uh, hieroglyphs didn't even make it on air. The Michael J. Fox show was canceled after 15 of 22 episodes aired. And so those seven extra episodes were just kind of a waste of money. I mean, they're going to they're gonna put them on their streaming service or something. They'll sell them to someone. Yeah, but you're not going to make as much money as you would have if it... Sure. Out I mean, but you get it back. They There's obviously some sort of internal calculus that they have that determines... Well, you could say the same thing about... Well, I guess maybe you couldn't, about pilots that never made it to air, or... That would be interesting to do an episode on, but... That's not what this episode's yes. about. This episode's about Animal Control with Joel McHale on Fox. Animal Control with Joel McHale Fox. They're not paying us. They're not no. paying us to watch this show. <laughs> In fact, I think after they hear Andrew, they're going to pay us to not release this podcast. They're not going to uh, pay us to not release this. They don't give a shit about us. I think, uh, I think Andrew and I have varying opinions on this show. Oh, uh, do you think? Do you, do you think we have so differing opinions? I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed all three episodes. <laughs> I uh, I did not. I did not enjoy it. I, I think... So, I mean, sitcoms, the first episode, the first couple episodes, always are a little rough on the rougher end. I've seen the Office pilot. I think the pilot to the Office was worse than this first episode of Animal Control. Mm-hmm. Uh, Parks and Rec, first episode pilot, was probably worse as well. Honestly, the Seinfeld pilot was not that good. Maybe a little better than this one. But... I, I enjoyed the humor for what it is, and I think once they have a little more experience with these characters, with the idea of the show, it'll pay off. And I think it'll I get God, a I hope seasons. so, for their sake. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't want Joel McHale to be out of a job. I like the guy. <laughs> no, yeah, this is Michael Rowland's big break. Like we, This show's got to succeed for yeah, that guy. Yeah, I mean, I think the actors are all doing a good job. Yeah, uh, I, I I don't have any complaints about the I, acting. It is all complaints about the writing, uh, start to finish. But let's let's talk about what happened in the show itself. Yes, well, uh, well, let's let's synopse the episode. Yes, yeah, syn- a synopsisize. So we open on uh, Shred just standing at the curb of presumably his apartment. Frank picks up Shred, uh, roasts him about not having coffee ready for him. Um, they get a call about a weasel in someone's attic, uh, and then it cuts to uh, Amit and Victoria um, in their truck, their partners. They do a little expositing on uh, who their characters are. Goes back to Frank and Shred. Frank goes to get coffee from a place down the block, uh, and Shred gets called into the house by the guy who called him about the weasel in the attic originally. The uh, whole thing happens 
like Shred just messes up getting the weasel out of this attic. Frank comes back right at the end. There's a little joke about, oh, how would you rate our surface scale of one to ten? And then it goes to the uh, goes to the intro. Yeah, terrible. Just kidding. <laughs> I didn't hit all these points. What? They're important. What are what's important? Victoria what wants a dog. Because that's it's not important, and I'll fucking get C, to why it's not the, important. Okay, it's <laughs> yeah, it's the C plot that shouldn't have existed. So fine, do, do act two. Fine. <laughs> During the whole weasel incident, the weasel gets caught on fire and sets their couch on fire. That's like okay, that's part of the B plot or the C plot, however you want to see. Whatever. So uh, second act starts after the title sequence. They introduce the boss, and Templeton is introduced as the heel of the show. Vela Lavelle and Gary Duncan's characters, respectively. Yes. Uh, and then they shred. It's revealed to him by Amit and Victoria that Frank used to be a cop, and he's kind of jaded because he found corruption and got fired instead of them trying to clean up the corruption. Classic. Amit gets a phone call from his school, from his kid's school, and has to sing a song to help his child yeah, poop. My, my I, favorite part of this that episode. Was, yeah. And like halfway through him singing this fairly long song, all the rest of the precinct joins in except Shred, who's the new guy. And they introduce a, another character who's a veterinarian that they all call the hot vet. Cuts to Frank getting mad at Shred for kind of getting along too well with the hot vet. And they get a call about an ostrich farm that is illegal or doesn't have the permits. So while they're there, Frank puts a freaking Slim Jim in Shred's back pocket. Shred's name is Fred, but he's a former snowboarder, so his nickname is Shred. This man's God-given name was not Shred, just so you know. So then antics ensue with the Slim Jim and the ostriches chasing Shred around. And while that's happening, Emily is trying to do damage control with the people whose house was somewhat set on fire, and she ends up poisoning the husband with muffins that he's allergic to and a man in Victoria, they get a call about a dead person and, but it was for the dog for that the was dog, yeah. sadly laying at the dead person's side for days. Yeah. Real, uh, a real low moment. Yeah. That, that came out of in the, intro, in like the first episode of a sitcom. Yes. But Victoria decides to keep the dog cause she's been wanting a dog. And then the second act ends pretty much with Shred just really mad at, uh, Joel McHale for setting him up with the Slim Jim in his pocket. Yeah. At Joel McHale recording and kind of making fun of him the whole time. Yeah. Well, uh, the woman who was running the illegal ostrich farm just sort of hangs out. Uh, <laughs> she's just sort of there in yeah. the background. Um, after the commercial break, uh, Shred asks for a transfer um, and he wants to uh, be transferred out of Fred's or uh, Frank's truck. Um, Joe McHale and into uh, somewhere else, just anywhere else, because he feels unwelcome by Frank, and he is unwelcome. Um, they tell him he is going to be transferred to Templeton. That's the only open truck. That's the only open truck currently, so he's going to be leaving the precinct. So right away, you know that's not going to happen. <laughs> um, uh, so victoria gets invited out uh but she has a dog so she can't go uh you sort of see the dog from the uh scene earlier in her bed with her 
Uh, it's a little nice bit of character growth. And then you see Frank at home alone. He's in an empty apartment. He, he's he, pouring a glass of wine and singing that same song from earlier that helps Amit's son poop. Or child. I'm <laughs> this is a good callback, sure. yeah. But, <laughs> um, and then uh, they see... Uh, he sees a, uh, a re-airing of Shred's snowboarding competition. And he looks like he starts to regret what he did a little bit. Uh, Victoria... Cuts to Victoria leaving the dog at Amit's house. No character growth. Uh, no, no purpose for this dog to be in this movie or film. It was sort of a. It, this was the weirdest B plot ever. So she hands the dog over to Amit, who already has. Uh, it was established two dogs, four children, a whole shit ton of responsibility that he's being crushed by, uh, and now he gets handed more responsibility. Uh, so Victoria can continue just living. Her life how she wants to. What um, happened to being uh, objective? <laughs> fuck. I'll, should I start over? I'll start no, over. <laughs> uh, uh, the next morning, uh, Frank uh, goes to pick up Shred, even though, oh, he's transferring. But uh, Frank had a, had a change of heart, picks up Shred, um, and then they uh, sort of bond uh, for a moment. Like, oh, Shred's like, oh, your heart's not so... Not so closed, is it? And Frank's like, fuck you, Moon Templeton. Uh, and they do. And then everyone welcomes Fred back to the precinct. Yeah. So pretty uh, pretty standard. You know, it's got an A plot, mm-hmm. a B plot, and a C plot. Yes, that is something I wanted to... So rather than the three-camera, three-wall sitcom that I Love Lucy was, this mm-hmm. is one camera. They go all around there are multiple sets, not just the three, I think, in the first episode of I Love Lucy. Yeah. And there's multiple plots, while in I Love Lucy, it was mainly just the one plot, and a, I guess maybe second plot with the couples deviating, but they were still no, on the it's same... The, it's the same plot. Yeah. They have one overarching plot that maybe the characters split up to pursue, but in this and show, it's definitely a distinct A plot being Frank and Fred sort of working out their partner mm-hmm. dynamic. Which is sort of going to be the dynamic I can see for the rest of the show. Frank being sort of the jaded, older, more experienced partner. And then Shred being the young guy who's a little more naive, inexperienced. And that's going to be... It's kind of like a buddy cop comedy. That's the sort of dynamic for them. And that, that the A-plot is there sort of working that out with the ostriches. Establishing them getting past this for yeah. the first episode uh to getting past step. joel McHale being a lone wolf yeah oh he says he's a fucking lone wolf <laughs> and then you got Sentence the two. the b plot which is kind um, of establishing amit and victoria and the, how their partnership kind of works and again it's a buddy cop comedy amit is the, yeah, the family man who is set upon from every angle he's got his parents he's got his kids he's got i don't think his parents his parents are in town and they have opinions in that first one. Oh, yeah um and then victoria is the party girl uh she has no responsibilities no ties uh and that's sort of their dynamic but they are more friendly than yes they definitely get along yeah they like each other but then, and then the c plot is vela lavelle's character emily uh trying to not lose her job, trying to apologize Do to... Do damage control yeah. on the flaming weasel. Yeah, just sort of following in the wake of what Frank and Fred did in Act 1. And um, that, that C-plot sort of introduces Templeton and the fact that he's gunning for her job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he works in the central precinct. And then he 
She, like, when he walks in, he's like, oh, damage control, if you need help, just let me know, Emily. And Emily's like, shut up, go away. And then when she's talking to the couple, and the couple's like, we're not going to sue, we just, whatever. She says, oh, okay, good to hear, I will help pay for your couch or whatever. And she texts Templeton, like, suck it, poop emoji, middle finger emoji kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so um, Templeton's slightly in the C-plot, I guess, yeah. to establish that character. And he doesn't work in the same office as the rest of but them. But he weirdly just shows up. He just shows up. <laughs> Which I'm not sure. It, it, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna harp on the realism of a sitcom. It's fine. They needed a character that was, for some reason, not working in the same office, but antagonistic to everyone who worked there. Mm-hmm. Fine. I, I will just say, like, if it hasn't, if the <laughs> listener, if you've cut all of my little snide remarks from before this, uh, I did not like it. No, it had some. It had its moments. I I think there was a good foundation. Yeah, and I laughed at. I mean, I found it entertaining. Uh huh. Yeah, I liked most of the jokes. I think something they somewhat deviated from in the second and third episode, but I, that I really liked in the first episode was Joel McHale's wordplay. Sort of like uh, Templeton walks in, he says, "Hey, came in to gloat about the you, the weasel incident," and Joel McHale just says, "Oh, you're you're here to." enjoy the suffering of others misfortune that's taunting not gloating and he's like okay always a lesson with you and then he says something else and then he says that's a threat not a whatever not a brag and then uh dolores who is like the office worker she does office stuff yeah she says here's a novel idea how about we all aim when we use the restroom and joe McHale says that's a terrible idea for a novel He's. I mean, I like that. I mean, I like wordplay. Yeah, no, he's. It's good. The jokes are. They work. They make sense. It. (laughs) Joel McHale is supposed to be the smart one, the smart guy. He's jaded, but also you know worldly and knowledgeable. And I think that scene did a good job of setting that up. It was not too expository. I have a problem with all of the dialogue in Act One, essentially, where. It was the exposition was heavy handed. It was real heavy handed. But they're past that. But I are they? I, I mean, know. I. That's what I'm saying. The first episode, they need to, they need to already be past it. They need to be showing, not telling. You know. Well, I think it, it was heavy handed, but it made sense with the characters. I think Joel McHale had to pick up Shred because Shred's car is in the shop. And he it's complains fine. about it. That's fine. And his complaining turns to him complaining about being partnered with Shred. And he wants to be a lone wolf. I, that's where you lose me. And where, then, where Joel McHale has to say, I'm a lone wolf. Instead of just... Okay, well, in his defense, Shred isn't the brightest bulb on the Christmas tree. Okay, that's... And, like, literally... You the, can't <laughs> use an in-universe justification for bad writing. The writers made him not understand The that. second I... A good joke, that running gag that's been, I think, in every episode, is Shred just not knowing things. Uh, Joel McHale, is, uh, after he starts he starts a conversation by saying, Mark Twain once said, feed a dog, something, and Shred says, not sure who Mark Twain is. And Joel McHale just kind of <laughs> shakes his head and says, that's a whole other conversation. And then Shred says, hey, I looked up wolves, and they travel in packs. And Joel McHale says... Not the lone wolves, and I'm surprised you had to look that up. <laughs> uh, and I like that's the that's good. I would they should have done that, but I don't know how they could have done that. I they it feels like just too heavy handed. I somewhat agree. It, and 
it's not just that scene. It's the scene right after with uh, Anna and Victoria. It where does open on him it, just complaining. He's just complaining. And then it booms straight to her. Like, oh, I was just partying on a boat this weekend. Woke up naked. And he was like, what about the rest of the people on the boat? It's like, they were also naked. <laughs> it, like, I don't know. Um, I really like the song. That song was and The song was good. And wipe until the brown's out of town. Put it in the toilet and flush it down. And, like, that's the same part Joel McHale was singing later. And, yes. Yeah, there's, I think, how the how the plots tend to work is they all split up. They're all doing their own thing. And then they all merge together at the at the office. And then they all split up again and mm-hmm. they come back together. Yes. So the, the, I have, that is kind of the formula I've seen in the last first three episodes. Yeah. So it's a lot like Brooklyn Nine-Nine in that sense where they're all off pursuing their own cases. Then they come together at one central location and split out again. So it's a great way with, to have... With that many characters, I feel like you have to have B, B, a set two plots and most of the time a C plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, just and, so you're not bogging down with too many characters doing something at yeah. once. And a lot of the time it's going to be duos, two people doing a plot at at any given time and then that c-plot is going to be one of the other characters who maybe doesn't get a lot of screen time i'm mm-hmm. looking at like d or maybe the vet d being the uh dolores dolores the, the front uh, office the girl. front office worker yeah. she i think i if this continues i think second or third season she'll be in the title card sequence her, you think her, so yeah uh that happens with shows where they have a character who's just kind of on the side but they become a major four major player like in cheers the first two or three seasons uh, John Ratzenberger wasn't his name wasn't in the intro because hmm. he was just the kind of like oh you'll have a couple lines every yeah. episode and then he became he from that season whatever season on he was yeah I could I could see that working I could see she's had yeah. a, a major not a major part in all three episodes but she's been fairly she's involved. been in every episode yeah and along with the uh, vet the hot vet oh yes uh, that, that's not me than... that's not me like saying she's hot. They I call her. That's what don't they even remember what her name is. Yeah, that's that's all they. In the third call episode, her. Joel McHale gets a text and it says "hot vet," and I think Shred's like, <laughs> "Never under hot vet." He's like, "Yeah." <laughs> it's uh, I think she is also going to be. It, she's going to get worked into some plots. Maybe she's going to definitely be part of a Frank and Fred a plot at some point. I think uh, because she's a fan of winter sports. Yes. and Shred is a former pro snowboarder. Definitely, I see a plot where Joel McHale gets uh, more jealous than he has when he was in the first episode. Yeah, and then tries to get Fred to set him up on a date with the vet. Mm, I can see that. Yeah. They definitely set up for Shred and Emily to get together. They do, because cause... Emily is single and they were... Yes. So yeah. at the, when Joel McHale's kind of saying, hey, get in line for the hot vet. Uh, I've been trying to... been laying groundwork for a while. Shred says, oh, well, if I'm interested in anyone, it's going to be uh, Emily. I really like girls who are kind of clumsy and awkward. And then he's like, but I got a girlfriend, so don't worry about it. And then when after he asks for a transfer, Shred and Emily are in the office because Shred left a sweater and Emily's doing some last minute work in the, this is in the evening. They're just talking and Emily says, oh, hey, so since, you know, you're leaving and we won't really have a professional relationship anymore... I was wondering, and Shred's phone, he's like, oh, it's, hold on, my girlfriend. And she's like, she, I thought the actress was really official. Oh, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so they established that he doesn't necessarily like Emily, but that's who he would be interested in if he didn't have a girlfriend. Yeah. And then Emily does, in fact, 
kind of have a crush on Shred. So I, that's going to happen yeah. at some point. And I could see it just because of the age difference between Frank and literally everyone else in the show. I could see later down the line, Shred breaks up with his girlfriend and then him, the vet, and Emily are sort of in a kind of love triangle well, situation. Maybe. Potentially. Maybe. I, if... if if this gets that they far. they have they've set up some different they, relationship they can go a lot of directions Dra- drama and, drama and comedy things that you can make it's like in uh, the second episode of Frasier Niles immediately is infatuated with Daphne mm-hmm. and they they milked that f- just for the whole time I don't much. I don't know if shows do that anymore they don't they don't do the whole like will they won't they that's not the driving force behind uh, New Girl kind of did. A little bit. A little bit. But that was really quick. Yeah. That I was... mean, considering that it was like, what, four seasons? The whole show? No, no, no. The, they the got together at the end of the second season. Okay. Were together for most of the third season. Broke up again. Broke up. And then got together seasons later. Spoilers for New Girl. Sorry. Oh my gosh. Brooklyn <laughs> uh, uh, it... Nine-Nine did a Will They, Won't They with Peralta and Santiago. But they got married and then the show kept going. It's still going. No, it's not. Brooklyn Nine-Nine ended like two years ago. Oh, my God. Have you seen Abbott Elementary? No. They have a will-they-won't-they thing Mm -hmm. somewhat. Okay. But, I mean, I guess it's never... I don't know. Yeah, I could see it. I I could see that relationship being a driving force of some plots later if they make it out of the first season. Yeah, I don't know. This is all... Honestly, I think this is... It's got a good premise. It's got a good base. Yeah. It's a lot like... It's hard to think of new jobs to make shows about, I imagine. Yeah, they're running out of animal municipal departments. <laughs> <laughs> they did Parks and Rec. They did the police department. Uh, there's been a thousand doctor shows, a thousand, uh, like, Chicago Fire. Um, and, you know, they. I think they have a fountain of co- comedy that can come from just, okay, what animal are you doing this episode? Yeah, the animal interactions, I think, are what they're going to lean on for <laughs> novelty, but they're going to run out of animals. They're going to run out of well, animals. Well, so, I mean, they can always bring back an animal and do something different with it also. It's fair. Uh, animals can do more than one th- thing. It's not like, like the, weasel, the weasel was just jumped on Shred's face, ran off, ran right into the fireplace. I thought that was hilarious. It was under the ottoman. They were like, okay... I got this. And it just runs straight into the fireplace. And there's just the pause. And they're like, why did it do that? And then it runs out. And it's like fine, except it's tail on fire. But still kind of fine. Sets the ottoman on fire. And then just runs out the woman, the door. Uh, so there's definitely some a lot of animal comedy they could do. Mm-hmm. And I think that would set it apart from other shows that have been like this. Like it's definitely coming at the tail end of this trend that Parks and Rec started. Of the mockumentary kind of... I, well, not... Sorry. No. Not the... The... Mockumentary of, like, municipal department workers. Mm. <laughs> uh, the very specific... I guess it, it all comes back to The Office, which is why I called uh, Templeton's character Dwight Ask earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I either think this gets canceled after one season, or it'll make it to six or seven. You yeah. Know, we'll see those... how this first season develops, also, I think. Mm-hmm. I will. I will. Yeah, yeah. Let me know if it makes it to three. I might watch it all in one weekend. There you go. Yeah, um, I'm glad we did this one right after I Love Lucy because it is so different. The single camera setup, especially. Yes. Um, and it is. I will say it's not a mockumentary, 
but it's filmed like a mockumentary. The camera is shaky. It's not a, a stable oh, camera. Hand, uh, it depends on the scene, I'm sure. A lot of... I mean, you can check it out. There's movies. ways to stabilize a camera. You get, like, I remember, oh, I forgot what's in, uh, I want to say Knives Out. There's a scene where the camera is on a tripod or whatever, and it pans with the character, and then you kind of see the frame shake a little bit as someone picks it up to follow a character. So that just kind of happens naturally with a lot of I, filming. You may be right. I, I have right. not. I have not noticed it in anything before this. And maybe it was <laughs> me already not liking the dialogue, not being very engaged with the story that I was looking at all of this shit. I think it was the Mark Twain steamboat, the steamboat problem, where once you know how to pilot a steamboat, the water doesn't look beautiful anymore. You see all the you see all the flaws. Who's Mark Twain? <laughs> so, uh, how do we how do we rate this on a six? Maybe from personally, yeah, six out of ten. I, I would do a five out of ten. Uh, like I said, better than some other pilots I've seen that turn into long lasting shows. Certainly, but definitely a lot of room for improvement. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, like I said, I think it did a good job of laying the groundwork. I like the characters. I think they'll interact with each other in comedic ways. There's uh, room for growth. There's a lot of room for growth because with it Frank's character. started so oh, bad. The show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, there's room for growth with all the characters. There's room for change. Uh, that's why I was so mad at the B plot having having fake growth for one of the characters. Like, no way they're gonna upset well, their sitcom balance. She recognized because. I think there is a little bit of growth because when she says, I want a dog, Amit says, no, you don't. I have two dogs. They're a hassle. They're a chore. You don't want a dog. And then she's like, no, I want a dog. And then she gets, takes the dog. And then at the end, she says, you were right. I don't want a dog. Here you go. So she recognized <laughs> that he was right. <laughs> because the Amit was right. Yeah. Her you know, growth was her growth listening was, to her, her partner. Her growth was introspection and realizes that's not where she's at in her life. So. Yeah. A little bit of growth is still growth. Good. Good for her. As someone who has tried their hand at writing a sitcom pilot, I can say that you can tell that they had some experience in setting up callbacks throughout in the episode. They did good with that. They did a, yeah. I think you'll notice in some shows that sometimes there's not really many callbacks because the writers are still kind of growing. They knew but what they, the big jokes were that people would remember. They were they were good they were good bits yeah like I said I mean you 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 have turned me more towards liking it I was gonna rate this bam show. I was bam. gonna rate this show like a three or a four like <laughs> you've convinced me it's it does what you want in a pilot sure uh, I think it was a little too heavy handed oh uh, fair yes and you know that could be fixed later on they definitely they have it has a good foundation uh, and that's what you want in a pilot I that's think. what you want yeah. I suppose it is. And I mean, I think part of just from the next two episodes, you can tell that this was, you can somewhat tell it was straight to series because the characters haven't changed too much. The sets have been the same. Uh, they're, they're still in that same, they, they, they're, no, they, the, the writers have figured out somewhat the characters instead of changing things dramatically over a couple episodes as you'll see in some uh, shows you know yeah, what i mean yeah 
throughout the just those first no three episodes, one, the characters are haven't changed at all. Really, there's no the random thing. like new pets or anything. Yeah, no there's Scott. no new character randomly. They yeah. Okay, you can, you can somewhat tell. You can tell that they've written multiple episodes, or like planned out multiple episodes, and then wrote the first one. So we fucked it up. We we did two shows that don't have pilots uh, for the first two episodes of our podcast about pilots. What? How do we salvage this? What's our third? What we did the uh, what nineteen fifty one to twenty twenty three. What is smack in the middle of? Let me see, math. And they said I wouldn't use my degree. <laughs> 1987. That is two years before the Seinfeld pilot. I think I think Seinfeld then. Okay. You know, we do we do the... And the Seinfeld pilot, can we confirm that is a pilot? Yes. Okay. Very much Dis- different. Different. Distinct. distinct from the rest of the show. Noah Lane. Um, Noah Lane, a different coffee shop. Okay. Uh, very much a pilot feel. Okay. And yeah. I think it's called Pilot, as opposed to The Pilot, which is, I think, a season four, season five episode where they have a show. Have you... Let's not get into Seinfeld. <laughs> uh, so, uh, thanks for listening. If you did, remember to uh, like, comment, and subscribe wherever, wherever this happens. Uh, just like last time, I'm going to you know, make the same requests uh, to our new listeners. Please recommend this to two people. At if, this point, we should have now three listeners because uh, our first episode got listened to by one person. Two people. Two people. Oh, my God. So we should have six listeners. And then next episode, we should have 18, 18. listeners. Yes. And eventually, I think after, what, about 20 iterations or so, we take over the world? Something like that. Great. I'll do the math. I'll use my degree and figure that out. But, Yes. Just two people you think would get a kick out of this. Uh, they don't have to listen to it. Just send it to them. Let them know you enjoyed it. You think they'll enjoy it. Or, yeah, tell um, them that, whether it's it, a lie or the truth. Yeah, <laughs> just tell them that. I, what's, what's it really going to cost you? Just Support get them to the listen. arts, man. Yeah, we're, Cause this we're is trying here. Uh, all right, uh, I have been Andrew. I have been Gideon. And this has been the uh, TV Pilot Podcast. Uh, thanks. Bye. A uh, new episode in two weeks. Give or take. Give or take. Two weeks. Godfrey will edit that. Uh, keep it. Yeah, Godfrey, keep us honest here. Okay. <laughs> Bye, y'all. So uh, we open on Shred at his apartment. He's getting picked up by Frank. Uh, Frank, Joel McHale's character, gets in. Um, and immediately says he's a lone wolf. Um, I, I'm going to start over. <laughs> I, I'm getting, I'm getting too mad at that. <laughs> I'm getting too mad at, um, immediately. I just need to summarize this shit.